All right. I discovered something yesterday after I touched my eyeball for the first time, I think, in my life, is that I Googled, I should have Googled it before I did it, but I Googled it afterwards, and apparently there's, like, more nerves on your eyeball than anywhere else in the body, and they hurt real bad when you poke them. And uh, so that was an interesting, fun fact. Don't poke yourself in the eye, it hurts. <laughs> so the funny thing is, I, I do a lot of uh, fabrication stuff, and a lot of times I don't wear any protective gear, and I've been trying to do better about that. And I was actually wearing safety glasses and still somehow managed to get a hot piece of metal lodged in my It's no fun. I do, do not recommend. Do not recommend doing that. All right. Um, if you weren't here last week, we're going to brief, real briefly review what Buddy talked about, and I'm going to kind of springboard from that to what I want to talk about. And he was in Colossians 3.1, if you want to turn there. And I'll go over just the scripture that he talked about and then uh, continue from there. Cutting in and out. Hello, hello. Is my batteries dead? Can I get another mic? Mic, mic. Or there's one down there. I'll grab this one. All right. It, was, it would bother me if I heard it cutting in and out the whole time. That gave you guys time to turn to Colossians 3.1 anyway. You're welcome. Um, so since then, you have been, it's funny, uh, I saw the, the title <laughs> that uh, Buddy used was Christ is the Death of Me. I thought that was kind of funny. And I also gave him a hard time about talking about uh, his, his uh, podcast he listens to, talking about serial killers and then talking about, you are dead, you are dead. And I was like, whoa, you need a gap between talking about serial killers and saying that. Anyway, that's what <laughs> I got a lot more out of that message, but I just remembered that one thing, and I thought it was kind of funny. I was like, man, you got to slow down those transitions. Um, Colossians 3.1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ. And we sang about that this morning in God. Verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs uh, to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these things the wrath of God is coming. Now, we, he, he mentioned last week that's, <clears throat> that's talking about those that practice these things. That's talking about unbelievers. Um, you used to walk in these ways, and that's another good reference there in the life you once lived. Now, this is all coming on the tail ends of what he just said. Your old self is dead. This is the way you used to live. It's changing your mind to the way that you live now with your new life. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, verse 8. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Now, <clears throat> the, the main point from last week that, that I got, and I hope you guys got as well, is that your old self, uh, when you came, and we use this terminology um, of us, like, giving our lives to God, and like Buddy was saying last week, I understand what we mean by that, but in reality, God is really giving his life to us. We're not, we really don't have a whole lot to offer in that trade. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Like we can, we can say that and feel like, kind of feel pretty good about ourselves, but ultimately God is giving his life for us. And what we do is, uh, like Buddy was saying, we give him that and he takes that old life and he nails it to the cross and it dies. And he gives you his life. And so that's what I want to focus on this week, coming off of uh, Christ is the death of me, or, or really our old life has been crucified. But what I want to talk about this week is uh, life in Christ, life as Christ. And so where we find ourselves, we didn't just die with Christ, but we, we gained new life on the other end of that. And I think it's something that is also not talked about enough, that we talk a lot about our forgiveness of sins, which is very important. Um, but I think which is equally important, if not more, is the new life that we got on the other end of that deal. It's not just that our sins have been forgiven. Praise God that they were, but they were just in the way. That was just a hurdle that God had to get through so that he could reconcile and have a relationship with us. So the goal was not just to eradicate sin. The goal was to, so that the father could have a, a relationship with his creation, with his sons and daughters, you and I. So the, in the same way, the goal for the Christian is not just to get to heaven when we die. The goal for the Christian is Christ. It, it's, it's what it is. Jesus is the, is the goal, <laughs> And the relationship that we have with the Father is the goal. That restored relationship is the goal. So let's go to verse 12, and this is where we're going to kind of take off from. Therefore, so we, in light of what we just read about our old selves dying and us moving on into new life, therefore, as God's chosen people, that's us, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's, that's a lot right there. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. We're going to talk about that, that peace there. The peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. As you teach and admonish one another, with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, this is the key to all these verses, he says over and over again, throughout Scripture and also here, is that we do these things in the name of the Lord. Now, we say that pretty flippantly in church a lot, and we're doing this in Jesus' name, and we'll tack that on to a lot. Well, in Jesus' name this, in Jesus' name that. But what we have to realize is that Jesus is not in competition. God's not in competition with anything else. So we're not saying this as though we're, we, we are choosing things in different, in different lights. It is, it is Christ who is life. <laughs> it's not just an option. It's because he is that we can be at all. The thing about eternal life is it's not just that you get to go on living after you die here. Eternal life, by definition, it has no end and no beginning. The reason why you need to know that is because the very fact that you have, have been adopted into the, into the family, into God's family, is a supernatural thing. You've been given an eternal life. <laughs> that can't be gained on your own without his sacrifice. So the important part of us realizing that eternal life is not just when you die, you get to live forever, but he gave you an eternal life right now. <laughs> so when we come to know Christ and we're born again, we, we get to experience that eternal life now and forever. It's, it, eternal life, by definition, is just what God is, no beginning and no end. And that's something that we can't do on our own because all of us have a birthday, right? <laughs> and whether we want to admit it or not, one out, of, one out of every one person in this room will die one day. Statistically, it's going to happen. Physically, you're going to die. So those are things we can't necessarily control. But what we do know is that when Christ dies for us, 
He also raises us to life. And you don't have to wait until glory land one day to experience that new life. You can experience it now. It says the Holy Spirit was a deposit of the kingdom in our hearts. You get to experience not, not just the king, but you get to experience the kingdom now. You get, to, you get to experience that and have that as a reality right now. So he mentions uh, his peace. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Um, Patrick posted something the other day asking if you can find true peace outside of Christ. And he got lots of answers on there, but um, I think most people got that too. And there's two different types of peace. There's circumstantial peace, which the world gives, which means if things go my way, then I have peace. That's very surfacey, but it's very logical. If, okay, say, you know, I wanted these things to happen and these things fell into place and they happened, I have peace. That's circumstantial peace. The Christ peace, the peace that God gives us, is not bound by circumstances that are around us. It's a peace that's beyond that. So regardless of what's going on around us, we can have peace. That's the difference. So real peace you cannot have outside of Christ. It doesn't exist. Philippians 1.21 says, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I love the just the to live is Christ part because, once again, I think it's something that in church circles that we say a lot that we don't really dig deep into and see exactly what that means. John 15.5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, the interesting thing when we find that Christ does all this work for us and we, we understand the finished work of Christ as far as our relationship goes, the fear a lot of people have is that we will be apathetic and not do anything anymore. But just by saying this right here, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing, implies that there are things to do. It just means you can't do them without him. Now, I don't know if you've ever fallen on hard times financially. Um, I know it's not something I'm proud of, but man, it's been almost 12 years ago, maybe. It's been years ago. We came to a place where we had to file bankruptcy, and it was the most embarrassing and demeaning thing that I've ever had to do. I didn't think it would be, and I, we tried everything we could to get out of it, to, to try to work our way out of it. I was getting second and third and fourth jobs, and I was catering, and I was doing all these things. And when we went in to, to financial counseling, basically they had cut my pay at work because everything had gone down. I'm not going to get all that. But we, we laid down all of our bills, and the guy said, and it, he was supposed to tell us a way to get out of debt. And he said, there's, there's no way that you're too, you can't, there's no way. We, had, we were too deep in it, and we had to do that. And I want to tell you that in, in that place, um, I, I, I felt like a failure. I felt like a failure as a provider for our family. I felt like a failure as a man, as a, as a father, as a husband. I felt like a failure. And I felt like I may not be able to recover from this. Like, I know it seems silly. It seems like, well, bankruptcy, they'll just wipe away all your debt, and it's good now. You don't have to pay it, but... It was deeper than that for me. It really hurt, and it was really embarrassing for me. And even now, talking about it, I feel I feel guilty. I feel bad about it um, because ultimately, it was some poor decisions made on our part as far as our finances not being prepared for, you know, a cut in pay or anything like that. So, but I'm telling you, when you go through life and you base your peace on circumstances, that peace will be snatched from you often. If you base it on your finances, that peace can be snatched from you. Uh, relationally, I've I've had relationships with people that failed miserably, whether it was my fault or their fault. And if that, if my peace was just based solely on people, that peace could be taken from me. Some of the, some of the best people with the best intentions can hurt other people, even unintentionally. You, we have to understand that there's two different types of peace here. There's the world's peace, and then there's the peace that comes from Christ. The peace that comes from Christ is, by very nature, eternal, just like our salvation and everything else is. 
It is something that, that is not based on circumstances that, are, that we're bound by on this earth, but they're based on a different kingdom, which is awesome. Because that, that kingdom's already set in place. The enemy's already been defeated. Everything that you're dealing with right now has already been defeated. That's the place that we focus on. And it's, I keep doing that like it's far away. It's not way far away. It's right here in your heart. It's not past that ceiling tile. <laughs> that's where we are. That's, we're going to heaven one day, way over there. When, when the Bible is very clear that wherever the king is, his kingdom goes with him. When Jesus came, he said, my kingdom is at hand, meaning my kingdom is right here. It's not a, ge- it's not a geographical location. It's not, it's not, and that's why I said that the kingdom is not eat or drink, but it's what? Peace and joy. Where? In the Holy Spirit. The kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. Where's the Holy Spirit? In us. Where's peace? In us. He's the Prince of Peace. He's in us, right? So, one of the stories that, one of the more colorful stories that Buddy told, told last week, do you guys remember? Uh, I know, yeah, right? Well, the one that stood out to me was the, the leaves and dirt one. You, know, he said, you guys thought he wasn't charismatic, but he'd throw up leaves and dirt. But it's funny because we, we find ourselves in these places where we're desperate, right? We, we're we want something, we're in need of something, we're desperate, and, and we'll go to the, to the extent of just getting down on our face and just throwing up leaves or whatever whatever it is, or we'll, we'll go buy as many books as we can on the best way to, to do this or, or, you know, whatever new program you can think of, or we'll go to church more, or we'll, we'll, we'll try to pray more, or whatever it is, whatever effort we try to put into it, we'll try to do that, but the, but the results through any real human effort usually end up being in two different places. Either you you find yourself either trying harder or giving up, right? That's what, that's, that's what human effort does. It brings you to this point where you're either like, okay, I either need to try a lot harder than I've tried, and I don't know if you've been in <laughs> some religious circles before, but you talk about being exhausting, trying to, trying to in your own effort, uh, <laughs> try to reconcile yourself to God even though he's already done it. That's a very exhausting thing to do. It leaves you very little time to minister to other people because you're so focused on your, yourself, right? This is why we're Christ-centered, not us-centered. So when we find, we find this place that we, we either want to try harder or give up. And that's really all the world has to offer us, in essence, is either you need to do better, nobody, nobody's going to care, you just work harder, or you give up. That's the two, find, two places we find ourselves. But I want to propose to you a third option, Christ. Christ as life. I'm telling you, there's a third option. You don't have to give up. And I don't care how hard you try, you're not going to do this on your own. I promise you, I speak from experience. I'm old. People tell me that all the time. <laughs> so they must be right. Not <laughs> well, I feel it, especially with a piece of metal lodged in my eyeball. Um, so those are, the two, those are the two options the world offers, try harder or give up. And these are the two, these are the two options the enemy tries to press on you when when you come on hard times, when you're dealing with something in your life, then he will try to press on you to either try harder or to give up. He will not tell you to go look to Christ, where your hope really is and where it should be. You and I are called to a third way. We're called to a peaceful life outside of our circumstances that we're bound by on this earth. Christ as life is the third way. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives where? In me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. Christ as life is not you being this empty tube, like not doing anything. Christ as life is us functioning from a Christ-centered place, not an us-centered place. Being self-referential will lead you to a very miserable existence. Many of us found our ways, I say we found our ways, many of us ended up at the end of ourselves trying to satisfy ourselves. I know I did. I sought out many different creative ways on how to be happy and please myself. And at the end, I was never pleased. I was never happy. Um, one specific one specific story, my mom could probably, she can back this up as though I'd lie to you from the pulpit. Um, I found myself, um, we had moved, you know, most of you guys know we grew up really poor and and my mom had married my stepdad and he wasn't like really wealthy, but I mean, compared to what we had, we were like rich at that point. So we lived on Dolphin Island and all I ever wanted when I was younger was to be popular and to fit in and, you know, all those things that you do when you're a kid at, at that time of my life. And I'd, I'd found this place, um, in Dolphin Island where I'd found some friends that accepted me and I was quote unquote popular, if you want to call it that. And I had friends and we were doing the things that I thought that would bring me joy. We would go to parties and I was doing all these, you know, extracurricular activities and different things that you, you do when you're trying to please yourself. And I remember distinctively waking up. Well, I think, I think my mom had paged me. We had pagers and I'm really old. We had a pager and, uh, wow. (laughs) Wow. And, uh, and I don't know that if I knew if I knew that she had already done that or she was getting ready to throw all my stuff out. <laughs> I don't know if you do you remember that? Yeah. And uh <laughs> and I was I was in a place I shouldn't have been, doing things I shouldn't have been doing. But I remember waking up to that page, not thinking of honestly, I wasn't thinking about my mom or doing the right thing at all. I was just thinking, this is what I thought would make me happy. This is what I thought would bring me joy, and I'm not. And I thought to myself, like this was a a, a real revelation to me and I was not obviously not I was not a career I wouldn't even look in in that direction at that time but I remember thinking if this is all that life has to offer I'm uh, this is not good I'm not happy and I feel empty and I feel I don't feel good like I thought I would in this position and uh, I guess I found out later she was about to throw all my stuff out <laughs> she was about to throw all my stuff out on the street because I was just being being dumb um but to me that was that was that was being self-referential, trying to find something uh, on earth that would satisfy me and bring me some kind of peace, and it didn't exist. Um, so Galatians talking about being crucified with Christ, and that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Um, baptism is a good picture of this, of us dying and being resurrected with Him. It's one of the reasons we do this. It's not so that we gain anything from it. It's a recognizing because we need to see sometimes what actually happened in the Spirit, and what happened was. We died and we were resurrected with Christ and we have new life. The cool thing is he doesn't, he doesn't just leave us to go, okay, well, go do some really cool things for me and go to church on Sundays and like pay some money on Sundays and come on Wednesdays and do this stuff. He doesn't do that at all. He desires a personal relationship with us and he walks hand in hand with us. He takes the time to get to know us. When, when we talk about, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, when we talk about knowing um, I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'll tell you about knowing in a minute. <laughs> so this doesn't mean that we don't do anything. This, this means that we do something. You're not just some empty robot that just goes around and does everything that God wants you to do. We're all unique in one way or another. We're all sons and daughters to the Father. We all have different giftings. We all have different areas that we, we grow in and that we're good and that we do well. This doesn't mean we're just, like I said, just empty 
funnels just, you know, going out there not knowing what we're doing. We actually participate in this. So how do we know what to do? John 14, 26 says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. Now listen to this to reiterate. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He's saying this again. It's not just a peace or it's not like the world's peace that's bound by circumstances. It's his peace that he gives you. He's saying, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and in that Holy Spirit is going to give you peace and he's going to comfort you when you need comforting. Who in here needs comforting? <laughs> he has not left you as an orphan. Orphans don't know where their next meal is going to come from. Orphans stress about money. Orphans stress about life. Sons don't stress about that stuff. My kids don't stress out about food. They've got food, even though they say we never have food. There's food. It's just not food that they want. But my <laughs> preacher, there's nothing to eat. So, <laughs> there may not be Doritos. Anyway. But my kids don't stress, I hope that my kids don't stress out about that stuff. They're always going to have something to eat. They don't have to ask me permission to go in the refrigerator and drink something. You know? They, they, don't, have to, they don't have to question where things are going to come from. They know, they trust that we're going to provide for them. Right? In the same way, our Father does the same thing with us. We're not, in, we're not on the outside looking in, wondering what's going to happen next. We're in there. And I love the, uh, even the scripture that talks about the person that's knocking on the door uh, and the father doesn't want to get up, but they're real adamant about them, him getting up. The ask, seek, knock verse. What you have to remember is those are people that are outside the house. That are people, those are people that need salvation. The son is where? He's in the bed with the father. In that culture, they, they stayed with the father in the bed. So if you need something, you just tug on daddy's beard and be like, hey, I need something. You don't have to beat down the door. As a son, you're not the one outside. If you're born again, you're, you're in the house already. I think that's a common misconception that we've got to just, just beg and plead and grab dirt and leaves and throw it in the air for God to do something. And he's like, I'm right here. I'm right here. You remember that Holy Spirit thing? Did you forget, did you forget about that? Like, and, and honestly, I think that's one of the most negated things in some, and I, I, don't, I don't want to say that because I haven't been to every church. But in my experience, when I first started going to church, there was not a lot of emphasis placed on this Holy Spirit. It was all based on us. It was very self And I want to say that in a more of a religious setting. It was always based on what I could do or what I couldn't do. That's very self-referential. And I want to tell you, being Christ-referential will lead you to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will comfort you and lead you in the places that you need to go. And I'm telling you, he doesn't just comfort you, although he will. He leads to Listen to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> this is something that I, could, I cannot tell you enough. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid. A, a good father is not going to trick you into making a fool of yourself. You pray for someone, pray for them and love them and show compassion and passion. And the results aren't up to you anyway. But you know what that person has felt? They felt loved. They felt known. They felt seen. Sometimes that's the, the greatest gift you could ever give to someone. Listen to the Holy Spirit when he prompts you to do something. And I'll tell you a good test is when you question it really quick, like, I can't do that. You know what that is? That's a response. <laughs> right? I, I had to learn that. 
because there were many times when the Holy Spirit would lead, and I'd go, I'm not doing that. I'd look like an idiot. Precisely. It's not about me. <laughs> God's leading me to do something. Stop worrying about me and my image, right? The beautiful thing about grace is it takes all that weight off of us. You couldn't do it on your own anyway. And that's the next point I want to get to. You say, look, that's what I want to do right now. I, want to, I either want to try harder or I want to give up. I can't do this on my own. You're right. You can't. You're absolutely right. You cannot do this on your own. The Lord will put in place either people or him, his very self right in your face to make sure that you know that you are known and you are loved and you are cared for. The beautiful thing that I learned in reverse about a father once I had kids was this almost odd hurt <laughs> And I don't want to call it a hurt, but it was almost like a, and I kind of want to call it a fear, a fear that something would happen to my kids, right? That they would get lost or that they would get hurt or something. There's this, there's this, this weird feeling that sometimes you just wake up in the middle of the night and panic and, you know, Tracy's worse than I am about this. She'll hear a siren and start calling, where are the kids? Where are the kids? You know, if they're not with us, she'll legitimately think I need to check on them. And uh, I'm not quite that, I'm not quite that bad, but I still get that same feeling sometimes, like, oh, my gosh, where are my kids? What's going on? I learned that in reverse, that that's how, our, I, that's how your father loves you. He wants to be with you all the time. He wants to know where you are. He wants to be involved. He wants to make sure you're okay, right? I didn't know that because I didn't have a real good father when I was younger. But knowing now how much I love my kids, that's how my, my heavenly father loves me and loves you. It says we're heirs and co-heirs with Christ, <laughs> sons and daughters. So we know Christ as Savior, we know, his, we know Him as Lord, those are pretty basic things, but what we really need to know is Christ as life. We need to know that Christ is life. Like we talked about, He's not ranked with other things, He's not in competition with your political opinions, your country, your family, your hobbies. There's, there's no ranking system here. He is life. He is <laughs> John 14, 19 says, before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. The enemy wants to put you in the center of the story, but you're not, Christ is. If we make, if we make this all about us, all of your successes and failures will be based on your ability to perform. And I don't care how good you are, you're going to fall at some point. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, but he said to me, and he says, uh, this is Paul talking, he says, my grace is sufficient for you because he was struggling with something. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I can tell you when Mark called me in his office and told me that he was going to retire and and uh, he asked if I would kind of take the lead here and be pastor, I was not thinking that that's what I was going to be doing, you know, that soon. And I remember, I remember feeling like I, all those things I guess many of us feel in different situations is I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, you know. I haven't gone to seminary. I haven't, haven't gone through these courses. I haven't done all these things. Mark is brilliant. 
I mean, he he is. He's just he's a, he's a very intelligent man, very good speaker. I'm like, I can't talk without crying half the time. How am I going to pastor a church? Like, I'm I'm I don't understand. Like, all those things flooded flooded, you know, everything. But what that did was, just like anything else, it drove me deeper into prayer and saying, look, look, God, I can't do this on my own. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to be there with me every step of the way. And I've, I've not forgotten even that conversation up to this day every day. And our worship team will tell you every time we pray, this is the same thing I pray every Sunday. Lord, this is about you. Everything we do in here is for you. Your Holy Spirit lead us. We can't do it without you. We're not here to just to to boast about Pure Grace Church or just to have, you know, a gathering of people just to hang out. This is about Jesus. This is about Christ. Christ is life. And, you know, I couldn't pastor without him. And you really can't function without him. Not very well. Cars run on gas. We run on Holy Spirit. He knows what's best for you because he created you. When we see trials, when we see tribulations, when we see struggles, where we find ourselves weak, what do we find? If we dig deep enough, we find Christ. We find strength where we don't have the strength. We find knowledge where we don't have knowledge. We find passion where we lack passion. Philippians 3.7 says, Whatever were gains to me, this is Paul talking again, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage. And one of the translations says dung, which is poop. And that's a very Christian way to put it. I would, I would venture to say he probably said a, a more closer to a cuss word than anything to really get his point across. I'm not going to say it, but you get the point. He considered them hot garbage. <laughs> Just take it as that. He considered all of his accomplishments, which were many, as absolutely nothing compared to knowing Christ. That I may gain Christ and be found in him not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but, but that which is through faith in Christ. Listen, a common thought is we, we do something so that we can be blessed, right? So if we do something for God, he'll bless us. That's old covenant talk. We're not, we don't work on cursings and blessings anymore. We work from Christ. You don't do things to get blessed anymore. You don't give, if you give an offering here, please don't give it so that you can be blessed. Give it because you're blessed in Christ. If you if you do something out there, don't do it because you think Christ is, or God's going to be mad at you if you don't do it. Do it because he's created you to be a giver, and, you, and ultimately that's going to benefit you more than anything. He knows that if you try to hang on to something or hoard anything, not just money, I'm talking about anything. If you try to grab onto it and hold it yourself without him being involved in it, you can lose it, and it's going to hurt. He gives us these things, and he gives us this direction, not so that, and this is what I used to think God was like, this cosmic killjoy, like, oh, I don't have fun, right? That's what I thought, you know, before I, I thought that God just didn't want anybody to, to have fun. Exact opposite. God is made of joy. He is joy. Who is having fun that's not at peace? Not me. If I'm not at peace, I'm not having fun. If I'm at peace, then I can have fun. If, I, if he gives me joy, then I can be happy. Not bound, not bound by my own circumstances, but outside of my own circumstances. All spiritual blessings have been given to you. Where? In heavenly places in Christ. All blessings. How many? All of them. You don't have to earn blessings. They're there. They're given to you as a gift. Because of Christ. 
you're complete in Christ. Second Peter 1, 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him, who? Jesus. Who called us by His own glory and goodness. Remember, the flesh only has two options, try harder or give up. But Christ is the option. Christ is the third option. In Christ, we live. In Christ, you're more than a, more than a conqueror. And we're not talking about just a knowledge of who Jesus was at some time as a historic figure. We're talking about knowing. The term knowing that, they were, that the scripture was just talking about is the Greek gnos, gnoskos, gnos, gnosko. And it means to experientially know, gained by a direct relationship. It's an intimate term, to know Christ. It's the same way he says, depart from me, I never knew you. It's not, it's, it's knowing of someone, actually knowing who they are. It's the same thing Paul was talking about. I count everything lost for the sake of just knowing Christ. This relationship that we have is where we get our, our life from. It's the very source. It's not just an extra option. <clears throat> I love the, the, uh, the quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, I believe in Christ like I believe in the sun, not because I can see it, but by it I can see everything else. Christ is your source. The, the scripture that talks about the... the of, of something coming to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, we, we often give that credit to the devil, but that's not in context what the Scripture's talking about. Right before that, it says any other way. Basically, any other way but Christ will steal, kill, and destroy your peace, your happiness, your joy. Any way other than Christ, that's where you're going to end up. It comes to steal, kill, and destroy those things, any other way. Now, that could be your own version of what that looks like in the world, trying to seek it out and find it, and being selfish and trying to consume things. Or it could find itself in the church, you trying to be self-righteous. That's any other way. Saying, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to figure this out, and I'm going to work my way to this relationship. That is just as much will steal, kill, and destroy. Knowing Christ is knowing him more in every situation you find yourself in. We talked about this morning, seeking God, when we talk about seeking Christ and seeking God. Seeking God is saying, recognizing where God already is in my marriage, with my kids, in my family, in my job, at my school. See, it's not about me or the situation. It's about Christ. So if you keep your eyes open and you can receive what's actually going on in front of you, you see Christ in these places. And you see where this situation seems hopeless or this situation seems bad by my own ability and, my abil and the people that are involved in this situation, but by Christ it's not. At school, at work, financially, relationally. If we make ourselves the center, we're going we're gonna to rise and fall by our own abilities, and we're all limited. The beautiful thing about being connected to a kingdom that's unlimited is you get resources that you don't have. I, I keep, it's not up there. It's right here. <laughs> so when you look to Christ, you look right here where he's placed himself with you. The, the beautiful thing about, and I always use a, like a, a laptop as an example, you buy a laptop and it immediately needs an update. Like I just bought this thing, it's brand new, it just came out, but it needs a new software update. The hardware you got, the finished work of Christ was in your heart. It was right here, it happened, it's done. You don't have to work anymore. You don't have to try really hard to have it. He gives it as a free gift. It's the software that has a problem. The hardware is good. Our mind still sometimes thinks, this is why we still feel differently because we don't always feel righteous and holy, do we? 
I don't always feel righteous and holy. You don't always feel at peace, do you? You need a software update. This is why it says to renew your minds daily, not renew your heart. Your heart's sealed. The Holy Spirit comes into your heart and, and locks that down. But we need to remind ourselves daily of what's happened in our heart. What is that? Christ. To live as Christ. The third option, not giving up, not trying harder, but to live as Christ. Seeing that I'm going to renew my mind to what's true about God. In this situation, I see all these things, and these don't, I can't reconcile these with, like, these don't make any sense to me, but Christ can change the situation. But Christ is involved in this. But I find my hope, I find my peace, I find my joy, everything in Christ in this situation. So I want to encourage you, look at the third option. <laughs> look at the Christ option. The Christ is life option, not just because there's other options that would actually work, but because it is really the only option. Going back to Colossians 3.12, it says, Therefore, talking about your old selves being dead, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, which is living as Christ. From that knowledge of truth, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You're not called to give up. You're not called to, give, to try harder. You're called to live as Christ. Those things that he talks about clothing yourself with comes from the first part. You can't, those things you can't just make up and, and have them happen. They're given to you by Christ because you know him. Stand up with me. I'm going to pray for you guys. Father, you said that we're accepted in the beloved. Where we sometimes don't feel accepted, we feel rejected, we feel broken, we feel hurt. Lord, you draw us near to you. And Lord, as we seek you, help us to know you more. Know who you are. Know how you can change a situation. Know, know that we're not bound by the circumstances, but we actually affect the circumstances around us because of what we carry. Lord, I thank you that you've given us this Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now lives in us. The same Spirit that has no beginning and no end. The same God, the same Father. Lord, you've placed in us. What a, what a glorious thing. What an amazing thing we carry. Help us to share with those that are around us, with the waitress at the restaurant, or with our family, with our co-workers with our friends this is not something we do out of fear and obligation but it's the joy that we do it lord it is so fun that we can love and we can care for those that are around us and be a part of what you're doing on the earth lord continue to lead us in everything that we do you are why we're here and you're why we do everything that we do you are the son by which we see everything else you're the creator and you're the source of all good things in jesus name amen all right you guys have a good week.